And you're very welcome along to the gardening programme on this Saturday morning here on Midwest Radio. Porik, good morning to you and good, welcome. Good morning, dear. Good morning, listeners. Yes. So we were just saying it's a bank holiday weekend and in the normal course of things, we would be in the midst of bloom. We'd be blooming, so We would. So while not there physically, we do have virtual bloom, as we were telling people last Saturday. Yeah, and Board B have to have a fantastic lineup. I have to say, kicking off tomorrow, of course, Sunday the 6th of June. So they're calling it Bloom at Home, and it's a virtual bloom session. So they've done two key things. One, they've got uh, seven of the award-winning Bloom designers, landscape designers, to develop seven gardens this year. And they're available to download from the Bloom website. And they cover all aspects of gardening and can be applied to to any garden, really. But they've some specific designs done for, say, coastal gardens, which would also apply to exposed gardens. And they have gardens for... Um, small urban gardens, they've got gardens for entertaining, they've got an easy care garden, they've got a garden there for plant lovers, so for people that really like their plants and want something a little bit different and more unusual, there's a garden for them. Um, so there's, there's there's an easy care garden as well. So there's seven different styles of garden. You've got the full garden plan and you've got the full list of plants and you know yourself, we're often asked here on radio about plants for shaded areas or coastal areas or whatever. So you've got yourself a list of of, uh, plants suitable for all those various designs and you can apply the design to a small bed or to a full garden and uh, scale it up or scale it down. So my advice really to people is to jump onto the Bloom website uh, on the Borbia site. If you put simply Bloom at home into your browser, it'll bring you to the site. All these seven plans are downloadable uh, as PDFs so people can people can download them, have them there. Uh, It's no harm to have them in a folder that you can access at any time. And all the plants mentioned are Irish grown plants. So they're grown here in Ireland uh, under Irish conditions for Irish gardens. Um, So that's the first thing I would advise. And the second area then, Borbia have organised a gardening, series of gardening talks starting tomorrow, Sunday. Um, so kicking off with your with my, 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 <laughs> my good self, I'm also joined by uh, James Purdy and, and Nicola Haynes, and um, we're going to be interviewed by Miriam O'Callaghan, and we're going to be just talking about gardening in general and, and uh, designing gardens and the plants that you would use in gardens and so on. So we're kicking that off at twelve o'clock. So again, pe- all people have to do, and this is all free. So the seven plans are downloadable free of charge from Borbia, and also the talks are free as well. So my advice is. Put a note in your diary tomorrow, 12 o'clock, uh, click onto the Board Bia website and you'll be able to stream and view uh, the, the seminars. And a- after we finish, they have some a great lineup and um, various different people from um, Peter O'Mahony, the rugby player, who he's got a beautiful garden oh. and, and, and talks um, very positively about garden and in gardening in his own life. And outside rugby, it gives him a great sense of mindfulness and, uh, you know, he really, really enjoys the gardening. Uh, but also there's some of the cookery, Borbia, as you know, are re- renowned for Irish food as well. So they have um, Rory O'Connell and Catherine Fulvio. And it finishes off then at six o'clock with the an Instagram live cocktail masterclass. <laughs> I think I'll tune in I for that I was going to say, well, that is a rather perfectly timed, <laughs> yeah. I think, yes. So, yeah. so they're finishing off with that and, and the guys will be using in the cocktails, they'll be using a lot of edible flowers and edible plants and, and so on as well. So Sounds it's, good. A, it's, it's a fun day and, and uh, I'm actually looking forward to it. it it'll be great. And generally, Borbia spoil us when we're okay. up there. It's the best of <laughs> oh, everything. Well. So I really enjoy it. So yeah, it's kicking off. So my advice really is, make 
use of the seven plans uh, because they're, they're really good quality. I've gone through them all and they're designed by Irish designers, the award-winning designers from Bloom. So you've got a little bit of Bloom to put into your own garden and also the pl- name of the plants are there as well. And also the lineup is going to be very good as well. Sounds really good. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward yeah, to it. Lovely mix of, of gardening and food and uh, everything else in between. So boardbia.com.ie It's boardbiabloom.com But if you simply put in uh, bloom at home or um, you get directly to the site it's easy find Brilliant. and very 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 access and the plans are available as we speak so if you want to be downloading those as PDFs they're a great re- repository of information and list of Irish plants as well No, so, so from bloom at home to bloom in the studio Yeah spe- speaking of Irish plants I, I've actually popped into the garden centre this morning bright and early and, and I love going in there's none of the staff are there at half six in the morning and I'm walking around looking at everything but I have to say it, I have never seen it looking as well it's absolutely very, very colourful, full of really nice plants and planting conditions still remain absolutely excellent. Um, if anything, this time last year was probably a little bit dry, but mm. this year soil conditions are absolutely perfect and we are promised a, a really good week um, this coming week. So the timing is perfect. perfect. And you were saying that some of the growers are saying that the because we've had the colder conditions this year, um, that the growth has been a little bit slower, but that it's possibly doing the plants, it's beneficial to the plants more so than if there was a big burst of growth. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I did a little road trip this week and I, I met a couple of our Irish um uh, garden or Irish nursery growers um, in association with the project we're doing in Bloom tomorrow and um, that, that was the point that they were making to me that albeit that the season has been quite slow mm. we've had a lot of frost a lot of rain plants are actually growing really really well and you're, what they're not seeing is that flush of soft growth where plants tend to fall over so if you look in your own garden I was admiring lupins yesterday um, I was driving back from Adlone and, and uh, gardens that were just absolutely and the peony roses I you, think, yeah, they've caught my eye this They're week. really good and they're not flopping over as they normally would do in, in when, when we get the heat. So plants have actually responded to the cool spring exceptionally well and particularly for the growers. They've, it has cut out that job of having to cut plants back and wait for them to come back on again. So plants are actually in really good condition um, albeit that the plants might be a little bit late, later flowering this year. You're going to get that colour later on in the autumn anyway you know plants will flower that a little bit longer so the cool conditions the plants are absolutely loving it the growers are, are loving it as well and and the soil conditions are absolutely perfect for planting and I brought you in some of some really nice plants and I know you've got this plant yourself but it's a, it's just an absolute stunner it's a little plant called Campanula yeah. Porto yeah, I have it in, in two pots uh, actually at my front door and as people will know, I don't uh, overly kill myself at the gardening, but it has burst into flower over the last two yeah. weeks. Now one is probably doing a little bit better than the other, but I think it's because it got a bit more sunshine, uh, just the positioning of it. But it is just a riot of colour and they are yeah, and they were sown last year and really, that was it, they were left. Um, and they have burst into flower. Well they are perennial, they come back every year and the beauty with with um, Campanula is that it flowers for such a long period. So earlier on in the spring, we had the lovely Aubrician flower, that lovely purple plant that comes into flower in, in March and April, but tends to go out of flower very quickly. Campanula is a perennial as well. It, it's often used where we plant Aubrician in pots, containers to kiss, cascade out the edge of the mm. pot, but also in rockeries or borders, anywhere you want to plant to kind of fall over or just cascade down. I have it actually planted on a pillar 
in, in the back of my house. It's Sounds literally lovely. grown in about four inches of soil and it's there for 10 years and every year it comes into flower and like that it's neg- it is neglected but it, it does really well. So it's a beautiful little plant. Again, a great time to plant it and once you plant it you obviously get colour this year but more importantly it'll come back year after year. And I, I've kind of brought in a series of perennial plants, plants that will come back because they tend to be easy to grow. They're great for people, maybe they're starting off gardens, newbies getting into gardens and this is a lovely little plant called salvia uh, which is actually in the sage family it's related to the, to our herb sage um, and produces these lovely pink or blue flowers it comes in different varieties um, of colour this particular one is one called indulla but it, it's a little dwarf salvia um, and it's a perennial plant that comes back literally year after year all you do is plant it let it flower cut it back at the end of the summer and it'll double or treble its size in diameter each year but it'll still only grow to about 10 inches or maybe a foot at most in height and such an easy plant to grow lupins of course are beautiful and you can gardens, see them really coming on yeah yeah and pop into your local garden centre because they'll have lots of lupins for planting now here's a plant see the flower bud is yep. ready to pop on it so by planting these now these would have been sown from seed this time last year so again if you fancy sowing plants from seed again it's a really good time to sow perennial plants like lupins and delphiniums and foxgloves and all the plants that are coming into flower you sow them from seed but they are available in plants as well and if you plant them as plants they're going to come into flower so that's ready just to to pop Pop, into flower and it will come back year after year and do deadhead the plants once the flower starts to go over if you deadhead lupins they'll reflower again so don't wait for them to go fade completely once the you know, within about, say, three or four weeks, if you take off some of the old, the flowers just as they're fading, that encourages lots of new growth again. This is another favourite of mine. It's one called, it's a penstemon. Again, it's just starting to flower. Again, it's a perennial plant. Beautiful red flowers. They come in a range of different colours. This is one called Polaris Red. Um, easy to grow, great filler, um, ideal amongst a shrub yeah. border bed. Doubles its 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 size in diameter, or trebles its size in diameter. So most of these herbaceous plants, they'll actually spread out like a hosta plant spreads over time. That's exactly the way these plants grow. And if you've got large borders, plant them in groups of threes or fives. But they're perfectly happy planted singly as well. That's one of the little geraniums, the little dwarf hardy outdoor geraniums. So we've got our normal bedding plant geraniums that die away at the end of the summer, but you've also got perennial geraniums that come back year after year. And this is a lovely variety. It's one called Max Frey and it only grows about three, four inches in height. Magenta purple flower. It's a gorgeous colour. Isn't it beautiful? Oh, it's really arresting. And it's yeah. and it's in it's coming into flower now. Again, they flower for quite a long period. There's a lovely, lovely blue flowering one called Roseanne and the flowers on it are sterile, which means that they don't produce seed and hence it stays in flower till October. It's a really, it's a lovely blue. It's slightly taller, mm-hmm. but a really nice variety. Phlox, remember the old phlox? Yes, indeed. So this is, our, our grandmothers will remember this sort of plant because it, it's, it's a real old cottage garden plant, the phlox. It grows about two feet in height. And this particular variety is one called Famous Purple. It's got a really rich, velvety purple flower. Again, easy to grow. So they're all perennial cottage garden plants. They're easy to grow. There's plants like Alstroemerias and Coreopsis and um, Phygelius. There's a whole range. Don't worry about the names. If you pop into your local garden centre and ask them about the herbaceous perennials, you'll no- normally see them in old cottage gardens. Some are only inches high, like the Campanula mm-hmm. and the the, um, the little uh, Max Free Geranium. Some are slightly taller, like the Salvias, about a foot high. And others then, like the Lupins, can grow up to whatever, you know, maybe a metre in height over time. And Delphiniums will grow up 
five feet high. Okay. So that you can plant a border literally from a couple of inches right back to something really tall. Most of them are ideal for pollinators. They're, many of them are ideal for cutting as well. Um, but they're easy to grow. Kind of sort of plants I'd recommend for people that are starting gardening because they're... There's, you, there's minimum enough care. There is. Yeah. And, and, and they, they tend to die back naturally, propagate themselves. Many of them can actually be divided and split and moved every spring. Um, so you're kind of getting a free plant, as it were, and, and colonizing other areas or filling up other yeah. areas as well. The other key thing to do at this time of year, Deirdre, is the planting of fruit. Yes. So if listeners are thinking of growing maybe some strawberries at the moment, this would be uh, a really good time. Merlan, I think I mentioned it uh, two weeks ago, Merlan is a lovely pink flowering strawberry that's in flower at the moment and will produce lovely red fruit. It's an ever-bearing variety, which means it produces its fruit over a very long period. So it continues to flower and continues to produce fruit right through the summer, where some varieties will flower fruit and then they, they finish. Um, so look for that variety, Merlan. It's available at the moment. Again, window boxes, hanging baskets, planted out in the garden soil. Um, but also bush fruit. So blackcurrants, gooseberries, raspberries, red currants. This is the time of year to plant them. And soil conditions are absolutely superb at the moment. So if you're thinking about putting a bit of fruit into the garden, and they're so easy to grow. Well. They're so easy and so prolific. Black currants and red currants produce literally mountains of fruit. fruit. I mean, yeah, and th- black currant bushes. I always associate them with my, I suppose, my childhood a little bit. Um, and they were in my granny's house, and oh yeah, I just always remember them being there. And they and just came back year after year. Year after year, they're yeah. very easy. A little bit of pruning in the winter, a little bit of feeding in the spring, and apart from that, you you just let them off. And and um, but this is the time of year. People often wonder, well, what is when is a good time to plant fruit? But now in June, with the soil conditions we have at the moment, and there's a great variety of plants available. Raspberries as well. If you plant autumn fruiting raspberries like Autumn Bliss at this time of year, they'll fruit this autumn. So they fruit in their first year. Strawberries will fruit this first year as well. The blackcurrants and red currants and white currants, it will take them a couple of seasons to produce their fruit. But from a planting point of view, this is a really good time to plant. Brilliant. Brilliant. So, so they're the sort of things to be. Huge amount of feeding things of plants, there. of course. Yes. You know, at the moment, you know, regular feeding because plants are coming actively growing and they're so you know granulated fertilizers on your trees and shrubs and hedges in general. Flowering plants, if you've got your hanging baths and window boxes beginning to show a little bit of color, then start feeding them once a week now with a liquid feed, uh, a high potassium feed like a tomato feed or Bloomy Magic or one of those, just to keep them going. Bring so them on. regular feeding, yeah, yeah. Okay, Boric, we're going to talk a little bit about potatoes and blight, first of all. Are we are we at that point yet? Or? Well, there's been no blight warnings just yet. Um, having said that, you know, we, we're, we're certainly coming into that season. June, July, August is, is a, a blight uh, period and it's a, no harm to keep an eye out. Generally, blight is spread when we get very warm temperatures, kind of above 14, 15 degrees and damp weather for an, for an extended period so generally kind of damp conditions for 24 hours with mild temperatures so you know we're it's no harm to keep an eye out mm. um for for blight we're, we are into drier weather next week do check with met air and they're generally very good at issuing a blight warning when blight, blight is present having said all that look i would it's no harm to give them a, prote- a preventative treatment and uh, bear do a very good product uh, potato blight treatment that you simply mix up in water and apply onto the foliage so prevention is generally better than curing the problem and and generally metairin would, would be the, the, the kind of issue the warning when blight is nearly present so they don't give you too much warning um, in advance so it might be just no harm 
to give them a protective spray. So the next dry day, get yourself a little bit of blight treatment and put that on to the potatoes. And if you've got tomatoes as well, particularly if they're outdoors or if they're very wet in a tunnel, no harm to treat them as well. Yeah, just on that front, uh, we have got a question in from somebody wondering, um, they sowed blight-free potatoes and they're wondering, do they need to spray them for blight because they were told they had to? Well, they, it more correctly called blight-resistant. Okay. <laughs> so blight-free. Well, blight-free is yeah. a, it's and, quite and a claim to fame. So so blight, blight-resistant varieties of varieties like Satanta, um, there's quite quite a number, Vitabella is another one that, that is very good against blight, generally the Sapromaras varieties. So these are specially bred uh, and what you find with them is that the foliage is thicker. It tends to be a more hairy type of foliage. So the blight finds it very difficult to actually penetrate into the leaf cuticle. So it's it's more the composition of the leaf structure. So it's a, it tends to be more waxy leaf, uh, hairy in, and, and a thicker cuticle on the leaf itself. And therefore it resists the blight attack better. So, the, and, and trials have been shown, you know, mm. so anything that you've bought as a blight resistant variety like Satanta um, are, are quite tolerant of blight. Having said all that, if you've got a very, very wet summer, eventually they will succumb to it. So, you know, in a normal year, you don't have to treat them at all. If we do get a particularly wet, mild summer, then it's no harm to give them one or two treatments. Um, so they're blight resistant rather than being blight free. Totally bright, blight free just doesn't, doesn't happen. exist. No. Okay, great. It's a great question. Thank you. It is, yeah. Um, yeah. And then regarding <clears throat> the spray, so we can give it maybe, a, as you say, a protective spray yeah. in advance of any warnings. Is there, is there, should that be done on a fairly regular basis then? Somebody's wondering about that. Depending on the weather, weather conditions, if you use something like the bear uh, treatment, mm. that will normally give protection for about two to three weeks. Um, and if we get wet weather or mild weather after that, then it's no harm to treat again. So it all depends on the weather conditions, you know. So, you know, if, if we get nice dry summer, there's no need to spray at all. If we start to get into that cooler, damper, milder sort of temperatures, then um, definitely blight will be an issue. Okay. So keep an eye. Keep, keep an, an eye. eye. And, and a preventative spray just now is, is no harm. Great. Yeah. Now, uh, somebody is wondering, they're looking for Angel's fishing rod, oh, Kathleen. Um, so wondering, is that plant available? What's well, an Angel's fishing rod? Dimeria is the, is the botanical name for it. And it, it um, it's a beautiful, It's a, again, it's a very similar to the plants I was talking about earlier. It's a perennial plant, uh, pink flowering. It comes in, in other shades as well, but generally pink. And it, it, it's well named because the flower comes up on a, on a rod on a stem, mm-hmm. like a fishing rod, and it droops in over the border or people often plant it at the edge of, edge of a pond and it droops over the pond like a fishing rod. Uh, so it's very well named. Check in your local garden centre. If they don't have it, it's sort of plant that can be ordered in. Um, so it should be available at this time of year. Okay. But just check in your local garden centre. Lovely little thing. Okay. Now, would you recommend dogwood for an area in a back garden? It's a slope area down in one corner. Probably the listener is asking if it's sloping, it might be wet. It might be damp. Um, and if it is, dogwood does very, very well in damp conditions. So dogwoods come in a whole range of different varieties and different heights. Um, you'll often see them planted along the road edges, uh, you know, mass planting of dogwood. So mm. they have this red stem in the winter or orange stem or yellow stem, depending on the variety or a green stem. Um, and they're the sort of plant that they're grown for the, le- for the stem colour in particular. 
there are some variegated varieties as well um, that have variegated foliage and red stems. So would I advise planting them? Of course I would. They're a, they're a terrific plant. Um, when Once planted, you enjoy the stems through the winter period. Then coming into February, you should cut them hard back like a rose bush, back to nothing within six inches of soil level and let them regrow every year because the colour of the bark that they're grown for and they'll literally grow back up a metre, metre and a half again in one year. Um, so you'll often see in, uh, along the roadways they, the council will hack them back to nothing, shear them back and they come back again brilliantly because over time if they're not pruned they lose the lovely red colour or gold yellow colour in the, in the stem. So the plant will still grow perfectly fine but it tends to go more brownish or woodish in, in colour and you lose that lovely not as visually effective cornice yeah. yeah so they're cornice or dogwoods they're a lovely lovely plant easy to grow don't suffer pests and diseases do well in damp areas and look really well if you plant them in groups in large groups of maybe a dozen plants together that kind of a cl- cluster effect and maybe plant some spring flowering bulbs in with them as well and in the t- how high do they grow? Depends on the varieties. Okay. There's one called Midwinter Fire, for example, that only grows about two feet. It's got orange Midwinter Fire, Lovely. orange, beautiful orange mm. um, stems and green leaves. Um, other varieties that will grow up to a metre, maybe 1.2 metres. Generally, that sort of, you know, three to four feet. Nothing in height. too crazy. If you're pruning them, if you're pruning them. If you don't prune them, they'll obviously get taller up to two and often two and a half metres in height. So they will get larger. Okay. How does, uh, no, sorry, we did the one on uh, potatoes. Ornamental cher- cherry. Uh, somebody's got an ornamental cherry. It had ants on it. They sprayed it with washing up liquid. It looks burnt now. Is it damaged? The poor old ant. Huh? <laughs> Will I make a case for the ant? You can, I know. You you're, you you like the old ants. Well, they do no harm. Yeah. Like if, now, if it is ants, so cherry trees are often, they're in the springtime, they can be attacked by black aphid, which is a, which is a black green fly, as it were, a black bug that attacks the... Um, interestingly enough, the black bean aphid is called because it moves from the cherry plant to beans. So if you grow runner beans or broad beans, the plant, the, the bug will actually move from the cherry plant to the bean plant. And in the autumn, the adults will ma- move back to the cherry plant as well, which is interesting. Now, what you might find, ants will often be associated with aphids because ants feed off the deposit or residue that the aphid excretes. And the ant, interestingly enough, will protect the aphid. Does that make sense? Okay. So the aphid is attacking, so the black fly is attacking your cherry tree. Yeah. It's robbing it of protein. So it's sucking out all the protein out of the plant. It excretes a sugary substance and the ant feeds on that sugary substance. So the ants will actually protect the aphids from any other predator. They won't allow a wasp or any other predator. So if you see ants ar- around, you may well have aphids. Is that the well, deduction you could have, here? Yeah, they tend to be, they tend to feed on sugary sap. Um, you know, they'll often feed on sugary sap from plants as well. Um, so, you, you know, ants are, are a bit like wasps. They're notorious for picking up sugar granules, anything sugary, they feed off. And um, they generally don't do any damage to plants. Now, they do a certain amount of boring into the soil. Mm. So if you've got shrubs, they can undermine shrubs and maybe do a little bit of root damage. But they're not seen as a garden pest. 
I wouldn't see them as a garden but they pest. Do, but they do... But they do protect the aphid. Right. So... <laughs> so you can make it up in your own mind what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, so what was the question again? So the question is, is this poor old cherry tree, whether it's ants or well, aphids? I would, I would have su- suggested it's aphid attack in the springtime yeah. and you're seeing the ants because they're feeding off the thing. Look, at, I wouldn't bother spraying them. Just leave it alone. Just leave them alone. The, aph- the aphids will move anyway off your cherry tree and your cherry tree will be strong enough to, so to withstand any sort of aphid attack anyway. So I think just leave nature to its own devices there. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll move on with that. Where can I get a bonfire of begonia? Yeah, so bonfire begonias, they're a little bit like the bonfire um, I brought in last week and they're, they're available um, at the moment um, and come in a range of different colours. Ask in your local garden centre. The bonfire is, as the name suggests, it's a really bright orange variety. It, it's semi-trailing, beautiful in a pot or container, very long flowering. It's in flower at the moment and will go right through to the end of the summer. Um, I, I can't remember, to, did I see them in Turlock this morning? I know there's definitely loads of begonias there, but whether there's begonia bonfire. So it's a specific variety. Ask in your local garden centre uh, they may be able to get it. Remember the plants were scarce this year. Mm. So you you don't have as broad a choice, even though there's loads of colour available. You know, to get one specific variety might be a little bit difficult this year, just simply because of the shortage of plants this year. Yes. But there's plenty of other begonias and plenty of other good varieties. Now, Bonfire is, is terrific as well. Yeah, but there will probably plenty be other others with well. a similar, yeah. similar yeah. shade of its colour yeah. that you're going for. I'd like to plant a winter hedge near a shed. What's <clears> the best one? Well, it depends what they mean by winter hedge. So if you want something evergreen... I'd um, imagine that's and, what it and is. And really, when, when you're planting a hedge, consider the overall height that you want it to attain. So if you only want a hedge up to maybe five feet or six feet, then get something that's relatively slow growing because you don't want to be putting in laurel or something vigorous that's just going to take over and, and need a lot of trimming and pruning. So plants like... Now, there's a lovely plant called Viburnum tinus, Eve Price, which flowers through the winter. So it, it's evergreen. It flowers, starts flowering in October and continues to flower right through till April. So it's a lovely winter flowering plant. Viburnum tinus Eve Price. And it can be trimmed as a hedge. It makes a terrific hedge. Um, evergreen, flowering, beautiful plant, up to about four, five feet comfortably it will grow to that. Variegated crystallinia would be another choice for a relatively low hedge. Portuguese laurel which is not as vigorous as the common laurel, makes a lovely hedge. Berberus darwinii, again, if you want another flowering hedge. It's it's thorny, um, both the stems are thorny and the leaves are thorny, and it's got a lovely orange flower. So there's lots of really good choices. Again, hedging, the the range of hedging is limited this year, again, just due to demand. So maybe consider planting in the autumn rather than just now. Actually, and that's very interesting because I do see a question further down here uh, and somebody wondering about the availability of laurel hedging. Can't get them in any garden centre. Would Park know why? Looking for the one in two litre pots. Because they were all planted earlier on in the... There was just been such a demand for plants this spring that uh, nurseries ran out of, of stock. And it takes time for a plant to grow, you know, for the nurseries just to get the production back. Um, so I think for most hedges, it'll be autumn planting. Um, if you can get plants, then the weather conditions are absolutely perfect for planting. But th- there'll be a greater availability as we come into September and October. And again, a great time to plant hedging plants in general. Now, my satanta potatoes are grown in a tunnel. They're flowering now. When can I dig them? Oh, lovely. Well, there's a, a, a really, really good, it's an Irish variety, satanta. It is 
blight resistant. In the tunnel, there'll be absolutely no need to spray. Um, a bit early yet, it's a main crop variety, so I wouldn't expect it to be ready until July, really. Now, you can always do, it depends how early you planted them um, and how well they've grown, but flowering, when potatoes start to flower, is certainly the start that the tubers are, have developed to a, a reasonable size. And you can always harvest the satanta a little bit younger, you know, pick them when they're a bit smaller and let the other tubers develop. So maybe harvest a small amount. So do it. Do a test. Just check. Just scrape back some of the soil. See what size the tubers are. But I wouldn't imagine they're any bigger than about a hen's egg at the moment, or maybe slightly bigger than that. Um, and really, Satanta makes a full size. It's a red-skinned potato with a white flesh. It's a, the daughter of rooster. So people that love rooster potatoes love Satanta, and it's a really, really nice variety. So um, I would leave it for another month, um, and then start to. Take some of it and you can allow the rest to grow on right into August or September. When can I transfer a box of shrub from one container to another one and what to spray it with? There seems to be some white on it. Yeah, and I think I mentioned this before about boxwood. It gets a white aphid uh, at this time of year um, and it is no, because it's so slow growing, it is a plant that I would recommend you treat it. So use something like the bug clear uh, to get rid of the aphid um, and you can transplant it anytime. That's the beauty about plants that are in containers that if you need to move them, you can transplant. So this weekend would be an ideal time to do it. Take the plant out, shake off some of the excess soil that's there that's on the plant kind of give it a, a good rubbing on the on the roots to 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 loosen up some of the soil give it a good shaking as well you'll find some dead leaves and uh, maybe a light bit of pruning as well and repot it then into fresh compost add a little bit of slow release fertilizer in as well and give it a good watering okay any magic cure for snails attack, att- attacking cabbages well, if you want to use an organic treatment, you can use the uh, garlic wonder, which works really well. It doesn't kill the slug. It, he just won't bother with it because he dislikes the taste of it. There are organic slug pellets as well mm-hmm. in your local garden centre that are very, very safe to use. Or a tart, you can go out at night time and pluck, pluck, them, them, off. pluck them off the uh, little bit of salt. Away <laughs> you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, I have a huge houseplant, Dracaena marginata. Very good, yeah. I put coloured sandstones around it. The leaves are turning yellow now is this due to the stones well dracaena marginata is it's a lovely indoor plant it it's it grows very similar to the cordyline you know the outdoor cordyline oh, yes. and as it grows the new leaves come from the center of the plant and the older leaves are pushed out and eventually go yellow and brown so that would be a natural pattern for the plant to have anyway so if it's only the outer older leaves um at the you know at the base of the stem or just at the base of the shoots if they're going yellow that's totally natural if all of the plant is going yellow, then there's this concern. And whether the stones may have done some uh, soil damage, then maybe having stones covering the compost makes it hard to gauge whether the plant needs watering because you can't see okay. the compost. Right. So underwatering or overwatering ca- cause yellowing in the foliage as well. Having said all that, dracaenas are relatively easy plants. So if you do have overwatered it, just ease back on the watering. If it does need watering, obviously give it a good soaking. It's a time of year, a good time of year for repotting houseplants in general and also they need to be liquid fed because they're actively growing like outdoor plants they're responding to the bright lights and um, warm temperatures and they need some feeding as well. Okay. It's easy to forget about them sometimes I suppose when they're in pots. Particularly when the stones are on the top of them you don't see the compost. 
Okay, so, we might go back to this one first yeah. of all. A begonia. Oh, um, yeah. We were talking about begonias there earlier. Yeah. So we've begonia in a pot here from Kitty Borak. Um, and uh, she's 20 pots like this. Wow. Wow. Uh, so the hailstones, not the frost, did some damage to the begonias um, two weeks ago. And mm. she's wondering, will they recover? They or will, will, they start, will she have to start again? No, 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 not at all. No, the plants are, there's a little bit of leaf damage on them, but a bit of scorch damage. Having said that, there's actually some nice, a nice bit of colour coming out in some of the begonia plants as well. And Kitty has, it looks like some bacopa planted in as well, in amongst the begonias. So overall, they're doing perfectly fine. Nothing to worry about. It's a bit of leaf damage, a little bit of leaf mm. scorch. Any of the leaves that are badly damaged, just pinch them off or trim them off with a, a scissors. Um, continue to liquid feed them. You won't know them in two weeks three weeks with a bit of sunshine. And Kitty, I'm terribly, terribly impressed. 20 pots like oh, that. Yeah, Good like, on you. They're going to be gorgeous. Good yeah. on you. Now, somebody wondering <clears throat> about potatoes growing uh, from last year. Uh, didn't dig them up last autumn, left in the ground over the winter. They're growing again. Uh, what's the story about eating them, Porek? Oh, they'll be perfectly fine. Now, well, what you need to check is uh, potatoes, when you plant them, start to move up toward the new tubers, move towards the surface of the soil. So you plant the potato a foot or 18 inches deep and the new potatoes are produced above that and start to creep up. If potatoes get any sunlight, obviously they go green mm-hmm. and they're poisonous. So just check the tubers. So as long as there's no green patches on them or green coloration on them, that they look perfectly fine, they're perfectly edible. Great. Uh, just no, sorry. So we've got a photograph here um, oh, from yeah. Bernie. A couple of photos actually. So um, Bernie's wondering: Are these perennials? Photograph of uh, some that's very million nice bells. Yeah, that's million bells or calabacoas. Calabacoas they're often sold as. So they're like mini petunias. Yes. They're a summer bedding plant. I suppose truly they're perennial, but you'd have to take them in for the winter. You'd have to treat them like an outdoor geranium. My advice is to allow them to flower, which they will right through till October. If you want, you could take some cuttings off the plant and root them maybe in September and keep them inside and they will survive over the winter period or just let them go and replant again next spring. But they're a lovely plant, lovely for baskets, containers, window boxes. So calabacore, they're often sold as minion bells. They're like small little tiny petunia flowers. And they'll cascade up to a foot or 18 inches. They look fab. And and you'll often buy them like that in mixed colours. Yeah. So there'll be three different colours planted together as one plant and you get that lovely combination of red, orange, yellow, purple, whatever. Just a lovely little bit of variety. Yeah, really, really nice. And then we've got... Um, Bernie like asks, yeah, yeah. They're, they're referenced as primroses, but I, I don't believe that that's what they are. So we've got some, uh, we think, foxgloves in the ground here. And they are, one of them is kind of falling over it's a bit. It's falling over. It looks like the, the one on the left-hand side is absolutely perfect and really healthy. It, it could be just tidied up a little bit of brown leaves yeah. at the base one and give it a feed. The other one, it has, the, 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 the leaves have bent over um, so there's some root damage there. Either the plant is, um, you know, there's something attacking the root or, or there's some physical damage to the plant mm. done. Um, but most of it seems to be OK. I think it'll perk up again. Great. Now, we've got a photograph from uh, Peter in Chichester in Sussex. Good morning, Peter. Um, and it's a hedge um, and it's looking tired and sick. Can you suggest, uh, is there any way to improve it or trim it back or is this the right time? Well, it's uh, just check first of all, Peter, that there's no nesting birds obviously in it because birds are nesting at the moment and that would be very attractive to them, uh, you know, because of the overgrown nature of the plant. Um, so check first that there's no nesting bir- birds. If there's not, it's certainly a great time to prune it back and you can tidy it back because it's beginning to hide the hostas. See the hostas underneath? Yes. They're being totally... Um, oh, I see. 
shade it, yes. yeah, out. So really, I would prune it, give it a good hard trimming back, take maybe two feet off the top, trim up the sides as well, tidy it back, and it'll kick back into growth again. And maybe in the autumn, move those hostas to, a, to another area of the garden because they're being smothered where they are. Okay, moving on to a holly uh, in a pot here, yeah, Boric. Great. Um, so the question is, when we get it up, um, holly tree shrub, I didn't trim it earlier because I had berries and then small white flowers, yeah. but now it has long bare stalks between the old dark and new light green leaves. So I fear I made the wrong decision. Well, not necessarily. I mean, the plant overall is actually quite good. It's it's very bushy. There's lots of new growth coming on it. Um, you could give it a, just a very, very light tidying up. That's all it requires because if you give it a severe pruning, you're going to prune off the shoots that bore the flowers mm. a month ago. That's where the berries are going to be this winter. So my advice really is just to give it a very light tidying back. There are some dead leaves at the base. We just clean those off. Give it a feed. It'll be perfectly fine. And those flower, where, where it flowered this year, you're going to have some gorgeous berries this autumn. Fantastic. Now, we've got another shrub type uh, bush here this for the gardening programme. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, can it be pruned is the question. Well, it, the thing with pru- and this is a great example of a hebe and there's a, that's a, um, a plant called saline growing underneath it. So, so this saline. is the purple, this is, this is the purple shrub. Flower. Yeah, Yeah. so a little bit pink flowers that is a plant called saline and then the hebe is, is growing on top with nearly. And it's a great example of, you often hear me talking about pruning back hebes when they're small you know so really start trimming them from the day you put them into the ground Um, and if you don't they tend to get tall and leggy as this plant has so this is standing probably four feet high uh, at the moment at least and probably four feet in diameter now you can prune it back by six or eight inches it's not going to make a whole lot of difference to the plant if you prune it severely the chances of it reshooting are, are quite low so you can't prune it severely back. And that applies with hebes that once they get over a certain height, if you do any severe pruning, you run the risk that they don't reshoot at the base again. Certain plants respond to heavy pruning brilliantly, like the dogwoods we mentioned mm. earlier, or hypericum or buddleias. You can be as rootless with them and they just come back again. Hydrangeas, the paniculata hydrangeas would be similar. Fuchsias would be similar. But hebes... Uh, well, having that ability to really reshoot from the base so you have to do just a light bit up to about a foot of pruning will be fine but after that you run a risk that it doesn't reshoot again Okay so be judicious when you're But start yeah. when they're young that's the key with, with most plants that you put into the before you plant them in the, in the ground ask in your local garden centre how the plant should be pruned my advice is to trim them before planting them into the soil and then each year give them a light trimming back because you're really training the plant you know, to. I often think it's like a bit like children. <laughs> you got to start early. Which is easier. you got to start early. If you let them get to teenage level, they're just gone. So, <laughs> That's yeah, a very good start analogy. Early. Now, any cure for black spot, asks Martin and Swinford. Well, the black spot should be only starting really at the moment. I haven't noticed actually any black spot on, on uh, roses at the moment, um, even though we've had quite a wet spring. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, the normal traditional treatments of either rose clear or rose rescue are generally very effective. And normally the, the procedure is once a month. So if you start now, Martin, feed them and, and get them healthy. That's the important thing. The garlic wonder actually works really well on roses as well um, in terms of a tonic. And many of the Irish rose growers will use liquid garlic uh, and and they find that if they use it on a regular basis and they start using it early, the pests dislike the taste of it and they don't have the same problems with diseases. So you cut down on the level of spraying required by using garlic wonder. So it's more about keeping the plant healthy and really strong. Um, So try that as well, liquid garlic 
works really well. But having said that, look, a little bit of rose clear and feeding once a month. So feed once a month and give them a, a, a treatment once a month. Now, wondering if we can shed any light on a three-year-old rhubarb. Went to seed this year and another old rhubarb the same. I had it covered with farmyard manure for winter. Uh, Maureen is in Sligo. Yeah, and Maureen, it's very common this year with um, with all rhubarb plants um, possibly down to the cold weather. So rhubarb plants have, have tried to flower this year. So lots of rhubarb plants are sending up flower spikes. Mm. And, you know, you have to think that they have to remember the function of any plant is to reproduce itself. We often forget that. So it's totally natural for a rhubarb plant, particularly if it comes under any sort of stress, uh, cold weather, uh, pest damage, really dry weather in the summer often triggers them into producing flower shoots. You just simply need to prune them out. So Maureen did exactly the right thing, putting the rotten manure on the plant. Um, but And just as soon as you see the flower, the flowers is, are very distinctive. They come in a kind of a bulbous bulb or bulbous shoot and you simply just cut them out with the secateurs. Once you do it once, they, they generally won't flower again this season. Okay, great. And uh, now, somebody wondering uh, if we can ask Porik about a tree that seems to be still dormant mm-hmm. it, as it has no leaves on it but has buds. The same trees each side all have leaves at this stage and Barry is in Fallon Road. Barry, I'd be worried about this one. I mean, it should be it should, it should be well out of dormancy at this, yeah, this lovely time. Lovely garden, Barry, I have to say. Absolutely. Lots of lovely trees. I think this plant has, has uh, slipped away, unfortunately. Um, it looks like Carpinus speculus, the uh, hornbeam that's planted from the photographs either side. Yeah. And they should be in, as the others are, they should be in full leaf at the moment. So Barry, I think you may have lost this one. Leave it maybe for another three weeks, four weeks, see what happens. But see, I, would, I see the little buds on yeah, that. Yeah, I wouldn't be too hopeful with it though. Right. I don't okay. think it's going to come. There's nothing on it at uh, all. Leave really. it. Look, it's, it, it's obviously been planted there for a number of years. So leave it. Let's see what happens over the next three weeks. But if it hasn't come into leaf by the end of June, Okay. It ain't going to come into leaf. Super. Um, somebody says they have a very wet area at the bottom of the garden, uh, which even becomes a bit waterlogged in winter. It gets full sun, short of turning it into a pond. Is there anything I could plant there that would survive and flourish? Yeah, well, there, there are the, a whole range of, of um, moisture-loving plants. You know, even even simple plants like the Zandicia, the Aram lily. The Aram lily, you know, the common mm. quote with the big white flower. Yeah. Um, that, that will actually grow with its feet in water. It's often used as a pond plant. So you can actually submerge it in six inches of water and it'll still grow. So it's one of these brilliant plants that will tolerate. Um, and, and anyway, as a plant, it tends to like moist, retentive soil. So Zendetias, and they're great, they're great fillers and they flower for such a long period, Arum lilies. Um, plants like Ligularia is another one that, that tolerates wet conditions. Hostas will tolerate, you know, not as, as wet as the other two, but, but certainly uh, will do quite well. The dogwoods I mentioned at the top of the programme would do very well. Hornbeam works really well. So my advice is maybe take a photograph of the area, bring it into your local mm. garden centre and chat to them about um, plants that love to grow in damp soils and there's plenty of them. Here's a tall order of a question. What is the best colour for all year round shrubs to grow? Oh my God. I'm often <laughs> asked what's my favourite plant, you know, and, and it's, <laughs> it's like being asked what's your favourite child, you know. Yeah. It tends to change from month to month and week to week. Um, but... Um, what the best colourful, colourful all, all year, year round shrubs, shrubs to grow, grow. 
Um, I suppose shrubs that offer longevity maybe in terms of colour. I don't know if you're going to get colour all year round from well, it. Well, there's lots of plants w- that have foliage colour, leaf colour. So, you know, I'm thinking of plants like um, variegated laurels or pittosporums, the whole range of Pittosporum as a family have, offers a really wide choice of plants from plants with lovely purple leaves that, re, that retain 12 months of the year to variegated leaves to yellow leaves. Choicias do really well and very colourful as well. So you've got Choicias Sundance, which is beautiful, buttery yellow foliage. So if it never flowered and it does flower, it's still a very attractive plant. So there's lots of very good variegated plants. Variegated Eliagnus is another one. Even some of the dogwoods we talked about, they're not evergreen, but they have lovely stem colour and variegated colour. My advice is pop into your local garden centre. They'll give you good advice on plants and and long flowering plants. Like I'm, as I said last week and uh, last Saturday, mm. the hydrangea paniculatas, I just really think they're great because they flower for five or six months yeah. of the year. Um, probably one of my favourite plants is um, the the Daphne uh, Jacqueline Postel that flowers at Christmas time. And, and it comes into flower just before Christmas and flowers through till March. And it's a great air freshener. You can cut the flowers and keep it in the car. Yeah. And it's a lovely thing. Or a lovely winter flowering plant called Winter Beauty, the Clematis Winter Beauty. So there's lots of really good plants. And it's to remember that you want to be adding plants that will offer colour spring, autumn, winter, you know, that your garden yeah. just doesn't look pretty in April and devoid of colour for the rest of the year. Okay, we're going to end on this one rather quickly now. What causes yellow leaves to appear on petunia plants? Well, it can be a couple of reasons. It can be pest damage. It can be lack of nutrition. Um, Sometimes if you get very cold weather, the leaves um, will go a little bit yellow as well. Um, Maybe send us a picture in. Overwatering can cause yellowing. So it could be a number number of factors. Look, give them a liquid feed. You should be watering the petunias if they're in pots once a week and feeding them once a week or once every 10 days at the moment. If you're doing that, they should be perfectly hardy. And I have lots of petunias outside since for the past month and they're they're doing doing well. They're lovely and green and healthy and... Okay. Yeah, so... We'll have to leave it there, I'm afraid, Pork. That's fine. We'll do it all again next Saturday. We sure will. So and remember, tomorrow, yeah. if people are free, 12 o'clock, we kick off on the Board Bia on the Bloom at Home website um, and uh, join us. It's it's a free... free whole after- and a whole afternoon of, whole of, afternoon of, 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 of different events there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're looking forward to that. Pork, thanks uh, for all that information. Apologies to anyone whose question we didn't get to this morning because they were flowing in at an alarming rate, but uh, we're back again in action next Saturday. Until then... A very good morning to you.